We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell, fresh back from Boone Pickens Stadium. Colby, you got to uh, experience the blackout in person, man. Uh, just before we get into the game and everything, just how was your night in Stillwater? It was unbelievable. Unbelievable atmosphere. Weather was pretty good. Uh, wasn't too cold, really. The berry stuff was, was awesome. Statue looks great. Blackout was executed to perfection. And on the night they honored Barry Sanders, they just absolutely took a team's will to play football away and ran it down their throats for four quarters. It was just about a perfect college football Saturday. It really was. And that's before we get into what happened in the rest of the Big 12. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. But uh, did you go to the did you go to the uh, statue presentation at all? So we did not actually go to the unveiling. We went to get something to eat because we I saw it unfolding very much like homecoming and hoops, where if you were one of the hundred people that was huddled right around it, it would be really cool. And if you were one of the other 10,000 that was standing 400 yards away, then you probably wouldn't be able to see anything. So we didn't go to the unveiling, but we did check it out. It, it looks awesome. Uh, and Barry getting on the mic at halftime was cool, telling, you know, all the fans he loves coming back, feels like home, and uh, it, it was good. And then I heard Gundy's comments post-game talking about Barry, and it's just it, – it was long overdue, so, so long overdue, and it was just – it was a special weekend. It really was. Yeah, it looked really cool, too, with the sunset right behind the statue and everything. I thought they did a really good job with that. But, yeah, I, I did see some photos. It looked like a big, big crowd. So, you might not have been able to see anything, uh, as you mentioned. But it was great to see Barry get his due. We'll get into more of that and, obviously, the game against TCU. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I'm sure a lot of people swung by Chris's to get their black T-shirts, black sweatshirts, you name it. And uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast all right Colby well I thought this game was going to be close and Chandler Morris and TCU were throwing some things at them to start the game where I was like uh oh this is kind of what I thought was going to happen they were really dialing some good stuff up early kind of caught OSU off guard a little bit even though she was able to get stops but from then on really Colby it's just what we've seen week in week out with this defense and the offense I, I kept saying was going to get better playing the worst defense or the lesser of the defenses in the big 12, but Colby, this, this was probably the best performance of the season. I mean, every week it gets more dominant, more impressive. And all of a sudden Oklahoma state is entering kind of a, a tier in the, as far as the national landscape that I was not prepared to really be talking about. I kind of threw it out there a week or two ago about, could they be in the mix for the playoff? I think they should. I didn't really expect them to be this level of dominant throughout the, the last two, three weeks. It's been, it's been so impressive, Colby. I'm totally recalibrating what's possible this year. That's how dominant it was against TCU. Yeah, same for me. It's, there's no way anyone could have seen this coming after the first few weeks of the season. There's just no way. You, you eke past Missouri State and Tulsa. You eke past Boise. You know, you're just winning every game by the skin of your teeth. It, it, it's just the expectations were lowered, rightfully so, after the first few weeks of the season. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't the team that we thought it was. No, no, no. Maybe this team wasn't healthy, and maybe they needed to get a few guys back and all be out there at the same time. This team maybe is who we thought they were. I think this team's better than we thought they were. This team is 
they're physical up front. The offensive line is moving guys off the ball. The running backs. I mean, you don't want to tackle these guys in the open field. Good luck being the low. You know, they say low man wins. Good luck being the low man on Jalen Warren. And, and yes, to everyone who's asking, yes, round of applause for the fourth down calls inside the five-yard line. Don't you dare put three points on the board. Line up. Run it down their throats. Give it to your best player and let him run somebody over. That's what they did. It was an absolute thing of beauty. I just – you can't hardly say enough about what this team has accomplished over the past really six weeks. I mean, all season, the consistency, 9-1. and one, And, I mean, one thing became blatantly obvious on Saturday, Carson, and that is that the Big 12 runs through Stillwater. It does. And – I don't know where to start here, which is with how impressed I was with Oklahoma State. Uh, for me, the, the defense, let's start with the defense, Colby. It's just, what's that? It was basically before the backups got in there, they had not given up a touchdown to TCU. That would make three straight games, essentially. They hadn't even given up a touchdown. And I just, I, I wonder if the country is taking notice of that. I hope they are because it's just wash rinse repeat with this defense it's another another game of allowing what were they on third down i don't have it pulled up just yet but another game of allowing two of 12 on third down oh of one on fourth down i mean it's just they're so suffocating the defense is so suffocating there was a big hit by malcolm rodriguez where it's just like these dudes are just everywhere and again i think tcu's pretty good on offense with meacham he runs it a lot, kind of like the old Washington and Rudolph offense. And by the way, they connected for a touchdown today for the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they, they take a lot of deep shots. And I think Morris is a pretty good quarterback. And once they kind of figured out what TC was trying to do early in that game, they just had had zero answers for, for Jim Knowles and his defense. And it's just it's, – it's almost become expected, Colby, for them to not give up a touchdown and hardly give up a single third-down conversion. That's – that's where we are because you look at Kansas and we'll get into them beating Texas, which was just a, a glorious end to Saturday night. But Kansas nearly beats Oklahoma. Probably could, probably should have won that game without just a crazy play by Caleb Williams. Texas, Kansas puts up a 50 burger on, on Texas, beats them, and they literally couldn't get a first down against Oklahoma State. 0 of 20 on third down. Could not get a first down. And we have enough data and enough sample size now where it's clear as day. This defense is not only nationally elite, it's the favorite to win the Big 12 championship. That's where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're, they're kind of looking like the overwhelming favorite to win the Big 12 championship. Uh, it's funny. So I went up to the basketball game on Friday night. That was a bummer. They fall to Oakland. Uh, me and my wife, we went out to Murphy's after the game. And a couple oh, of the neon palms. How are the yeah, neon palms? The neon, oh, great. You know, haven't missed a beat. Same as it was a decade ago. Um, so we go in there. I actually ran into a couple of guys I went to school with. That was cool. And then a couple of our listeners came up, introduced themselves, and were talking to me. Shout out to Tyler and Trey. I talked to them for a while on Friday night. And I told them, I said, Guys, Chandler Morris is going to get welcomed to college football tomorrow. I said, what happened last week against Baylor? That's not going to be the Chandler experience tomorrow in Stillwater. And it wasn't. I mean, early in that game, Presley fumbles on that first drive. It's not a big deal. He was, it was a great throw by Spencer, but the safety timed it up perfect. Jarred the ball loose, took some funny bounce, so Tay can't fall on it. They drive down, and, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it, and I'm like, Iowa State – 
kind of hit a big play on the first drive of the game. Got down the field a little bit. West Virginia, the first drive of the game, 64 yards. They get down into field goal range, but the defense holds. And, I mean, the Oklahoma State defense, again, TCU gets down there. They're marching. They're marching. It's a second and one. And on a second and one, I mean, TCU can't pick up that yard in three plays. They didn't have any formation penalties. They didn't back themselves up. Three plays was not enough to move the ball one yard on Oklahoma State's defense. And then the, the difference now, and uh, Dave Hunziker and Deion Amade were talking about this last night in the postgame, is earlier in the season, a month ago maybe, when Oklahoma State's offense was moving a little more slowly, let's say, the other team's offense didn't have as much pressure. Now that Oklahoma State's offense is really kind of humming, that puts so much more pressure on the opposing offense. It makes life easier for the Oklahoma State defense because now, like Chandler Morris might roll, and it might not be there, but he can't do what Spencer Sanders is doing. Spencer Sanders rolls and it's not there. He's sending it into the eighth row. I mean, Chandler Morris doesn't have that luxury. You've got to go score. You've got to go score every time on what I, what I think is the second-best defense in the country. I think Georgia's the best defense in the country. I think Oklahoma State is second. And the pressure now that the offense is putting on opposing offenses to score every time they touch the ball, it's just it's not, it's not achievable. At this point, I don't see Oklahoma State getting beat in these final three games unless they beat themselves, and they haven't been doing that. All the mistakes have been eliminated. And, I mean, it's just really starting to look like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's, it was a great call by you to, to predict Chandler Morris getting his welcome to the Big 12 moment. I mean, he did light up Baylor, who I think is one of the better defenses in the league, but it's just clear as day that Oklahoma State's just head and shoulders the best defense in the, in the, in the conference, and they proved it again. I mean, look, uh, TCU was 2 of 13 on third down, which I mentioned. The past three weeks, teams are 4 for 40 on third downs against OSU. That's 10%. OSU's had 12 tackles for loss and seven sacks. OSU has 15 sacks in the past two games. It's just they've given up 23 points total the past three weeks, the starting defense. It's just – it's well, amazing. The past three weeks, the starting defense has given up nine. Okay, is that right? Because 14 of those were last night in the fourth quarter with the second and thirds out there on defense. Uh, that's right. You're right. Yep. And then the defense didn't even give up the other one, Ethan Bullock. Uh, I guess Ethan Bullock thought it was a handoff and Dominic Richardson thought it was play action because neither one had the ball and they both went on about their business like nothing happened. It was a very weird play. But, yeah, nine points over the last three games for the starters for Oklahoma State. Well, I tweeted a gif early in the game. Uh, this, is, this is Jim Knowles at halftime just already lighting up his cigar. And second of all, because I'm a stud, I'm ballsy. I don't take no shit from anyone. I smoke my stogie. Anywhere I want. I don't have to find a hideout place like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Direct quote, I think. Oh, uh, I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. And it was crazy news before the game, too, for the defense. Colby, Trey Sterling, suited up, available to play. That is, again, an all-Big 12 caliber safety is here with your that is going to be coming back to the, to the lineup at some point. I don't think he played last night. But he was available, and that just that that makes this defense even better if Trey Sterling is able to play this year. Yeah, it's one of those things. It was very unexpected. I saw it before the game. I saw Josh Sills is out, Braden Cassidy's out. But get Trey Sterling back. I'm like, what? Get Trey Sterling back, and so he comes out. He's suited up. Don't know that he actually saw the field. Not from what I noticed in the stands, anyway. Uh, probably not in football shape and that stuff yet. But I mean, getting him back. That just adds even more depth. Jason Taylor's been so good in replacement. I, you know, 
you can just rotate those guys through, keep fresh legs on the field because there's not really much of a dip from Trey Sterling to Jason Taylor. If a dip at all, Jason Taylor's been awesome. That's not a commentary on Trey Sterling. That's a commentary on Jason Taylor. He's been unbelievable since he came in. It's next man up mentality has been a big deal, and that was on display again last night at left guard with Tyrese Williams. Josh Sills is a leader on that offensive line. He goes out. At times in the past, uh, you lose an offensive lineman, and it's a train wreck at Oklahoma State. 2014, you go to Baylor, I believe it was Daniel Koenig in like the 10th or 11th game of the year, is out. Offensive line's a train wreck. You get beat. 2017, against TCU, you come in, you're missing your right guard, your right tackle. You get roasted in a season that was supposed to be special. This year, Josh Shields go out, Tyrese Williams comes in, doesn't miss a beat. Next man up has been huge for Oklahoma State this year. Yeah, you're right. And I, I, I like the idea of keeping Taylor out there. And, you know, Sterling at times in his career has played close to the line, uh, either in nickel nickel role or even kind of a even like a more of like a hybrid you know uh star linebacker type position too so just it gives Jim Knowles even more options if Sterling's able to get back to 100 percent which remains to be seen but it's obviously encouraging that he was suited up for TCU and obviously they didn't need him so he didn't didn't play but he'll be huge uh coming down the stretch and one more note on the defense Colin Oliver has six and a half sacks this season he got another one against TCU that leads the team this year. He's a true freshman. Rodney Harding set Oklahoma State's freshman sack record in 1981 with nine sacks. So they have three games to go for OSU. Oliver could could literally break a record for a freshman uh, sacking quarterback. Yeah, he could. Oklahoma State has three, could be four, could be five if things get weird. Uh, but, yeah, Colin Oliver, and he got it early in the game last night, too. He got it early. Malcolm Rodriguez uh, broke the record in the first half. Big shout-out, Malcolm Rodriguez. Fifth yeah. in Oklahoma State history. Passes Sim Drain, who, by the way, we got several tweets. People love Sim Drain coming on the pod last week. We're hoping to get another big guest this week. We'll uh, tweet that out later in the week if we get that confirmed and locked down. So, uh, we'll let everybody know there. But, Malcolm, big-time stuff. And Colin Oliver, as a freshman, is just – he's doing special stuff coming off the edge. I, I still think people are underestimating his – his speed as he comes around the corner and at some point they're going to start to figure out that's not a guy you want to uh you want to leave one-on-one -on -one with a tackle no he's he's been unbelievable and i think i picked him as one of my breakout players in our preseason pod so you definitely been, did you definitely did he's definitely been even better than advertised um any more on the defense before we move to the offensive side of the ball anything stand I mean, out to you while you're up there yeah, what more can you say? It, it was just – it was special. It really was special. TCU had like 100 yards in the first quarter or something, and then at one point I looked up in the fourth quarter and they were like 160. So it, it's just – it's stifling and it makes life miserable for opposing offenses. Welcome to college football, Chandler Morris. Glad you're here with us. <laughs> yeah, that was his welcome to the Big 12 moment, no doubt. Um, Colby, the, the offensive side of the ball, is there anything more appropriate – with Barry Sanders getting a statue, his name and number going up in the ring of honor, honoring him on the field, then Oklahoma State. Anything more apropos than OSU running for literally 489 yards? That's their, uh, that's their rushing total, according to Oklahoma State's website. So I don't think the stats are up on ESPN. So it's reason. weird. The, I guess the computer went out last night, and they weren't able to get the stats live, so then they had to go back and kind of tally it all and figure it out. So 489 is what you said you're looking at. I'm looking at the ESPN box score, which is showing 62 carries for 447. One thing that's not up for debate is the eight touchdowns that Oklahoma State scored on the ground. It's You could tell, I think for the first quarter and a half, maybe even the first half, TCU was still trying 
They were still trying. They still wanted to play football and wanted to make a comeback and get back in the game. By the middle of the third quarter, Carson, Oklahoma State offensively had totally removed TCU's will to play football. TCU's mindset from the middle of the third quarter on was make sure the heater works on the bus. It's just they didn't want to tackle. They didn't want to be out there. It, it was an absolute train wreck from TCU's defense, which is the worst tackling defense in the Big 12, according to PFF, which is strange to see for TCU. But, I mean, last night, Dominic Richardson was running like he had something to prove to TCU. Jay Nixon got a big one at the end. And, again, Jalen Warren, fourth and one, give it to him. He's going to win more times than he's not. It's just – I mean, th combine that with the fact that Spencer Sanders – was absolutely dealing and has been for about a month now since the Baylor game. He's eliminated the mistakes. He's throwing the ball away when he needs to. It's, I mean, it was, it was a borderline perfect display of football. What, what would you have said if I had told you after the Tulsa game that Oklahoma State was going to run for 489 yards against TCU for an average of 7.9 yards per carry and eight rushing touchdowns? What would you have said? I would have asked how long back in Oklahoma State history would you have had to uh, go get that film? I would have asked what year that was from. That they ran 1945, most likely. That's probably how far back we'd have to go. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's, that is unbelievable to me, and it's, it's so refreshing to see Oklahoma State be able to block in that manner because, look, their running backs were great. I mean, Jalen Warren doesn't need a whole lot of space. He just, he's so efficient running the football. He had 113 yards on 17 carries, three touchdowns. That zone blocking scheme with him kind of going to the outside, he is so good at being patient and finding the hole and then bursting through it and breaking tackles. He, he, he obviously has helped the offensive line, but you mentioned it, Colby. They, they lose two starters in this game, and they don't miss a beat. That is just, you've got to give Charlie Dickey a ton of credit for what he's done with this offensive line this year. The ability to run the football has totally transformed this season for Oklahoma State. And, and Jalen Warren's a big part of that. But the offensive line's just as big of a part of that. And that, that, to me, was easily, to me, the most impressive thing I saw against TCU was just how effortless and how well OSU seemingly blocked TCU. Yeah, it was really pretty impressive. You know, you get a guy like Hunter Woodard back earlier in the season, his big time. Josh Sills goes out. Tyrese Williams plays great. Danny Godlevsky's been awesome all year. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple other guys that I'm forgetting that have been great. And Jalen Warren, I mean, he's a transfer. He's coming in. We didn't know a lot about him. I, I think everybody knew he was a good back. They were talking about him preseason like he was a good back. I mean, kind of knew he's a good back. I didn't know he was this. I don't know that anybody knew he was this. I don't know that Mike Gundy or Casey Dunn or Wozniak, I don't know that any of these guys knew that he was this because this is Jalen's mama probably didn't know. I mean, gosh, I mean, this is I, – I never expected this in a million years from Jalen Warren. You could, you could make a case that what he's done for Oklahoma State should maybe crack him inside the top four or five in the Heisman voting and get him to New York. Now, that won't happen because of the HL metric, which we talked about last week. Helmet logo matters immensely in college football. But what he has been able to do, it's just the first guy never gets him. He never misses the hole. It's just runs that look so routine to him are runs that we've seen other guys miss the hole. There was a run in the first half last night from Oklahoma State's own 30-yard line. They just stretched it off right tackle. It looked like he was going to cut up inside. But then the defender had come inside that block. He just puts his foot in the ground. It's one quick cut, and then boom. He's got the corner. It turned into like an 18-yard run. Just stuff like that that, I mean, defenses can't really plan around. Uh, he's tough to stop when you add in the fact that on about every sixth or seventh carry, Spencer keeps it and nobody goes with him. It's just 
they are in just about perfect synchrony right now. Yeah, you're right. And he's 14th in the country in rushing because he, he hadn't run for a lot of yards the last couple of games because they haven't really needed him to. But I, I think he's he's definitely going to be all Big 12. He's certainly going to make a case for, for All-American. And, and you're right. I mean, we had heard positive things about him, and just the running back room seemed pretty loaded and full to where you, you thought, okay, maybe he'll have a role on, on third downs. That's kind of what we thought. And he, he literally just kind of forced his way on the field. Obviously, L.D. Brown's injury certainly has played a role in that. But that touchdown run he had against Tulsa kind of got everybody out of their seat. I think even Mike Gundy was kind of raising his eyebrows at like, wow, that was, that was special. And his insertion as a starting running back has totally transformed this offense. It's totally revamped the running game. And that, that was to be expected against T.C. with Jalen Warren. It was, it was great to see. But I've been wanting to see Dominic Richardson all year. I, I've always liked this kid. I covered him in high school. I thought when he was given a chance last year, particularly that Baylor game, he played excellent. And he just hadn't quite done much this year. But what a, what a great opportunity for him to absolutely stick it to Gary Patterson and TCU. Gary Patterson was watching. He might not have been on the sideline, but you guarantee he was watching. And he runs for 176 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely truck stick to dude on one of, one of his touchdowns. And – so the running back room we thought was pretty loaded. It kind of wasn't at first, but now you look around, and I, I thought Desmond Jackson had some real juice to him, Colby. I, I liked what I saw from him. So you combine him, Dominic Richardson, and Jalen Warren, like it's, it's not a case where, you know, in years past when, when Chuba or uh, Justice Hill go out, that the running game is just going to fall off a cliff. It's just – it's not the case anymore. No, it's not. The running back room's deep. You know, Jalen Warren takes a hit last night. They said just got the wind knocked out of him. He'll be fine. You know, the other guys come in, and Dominic Richardson, some people know the story. Most people probably know the story. He was committed to TCU. He was going to TCU. And then Zach Evans, five-star, who'd had some problems and then decided he's not going to A&M, wants to go to TCU, so they ripped Dominic Richardson's scholarship away from him to give it to Zach Evans, who's now sitting out, I believe, to prepare himself for the NFL. That's been a weird situation down there at TCU. It's been a train wreck, a disaster, has not worked the way they planned. And Dominic Richardson, he, he had a little something to prove to the people in Fort Worth yesterday. And those poor linebackers for TCU are the ones who paid for it. There were two different times. One of them was on about a 25-yard run right up the middle around midfield where he, I mean, he put a linebacker in the turf so hard that dude did not want to get out of bed this morning. And then on the touchdown run, like you said, I mean, another linebacker comes in, fills the gap, like turns his body, like he's going to knock Dominic Richardson off his feet with his back hip. Dominic Richardson just bounces off of him like he's a trampoline and runs another 15 yards into the end zone. Uh, it was awesome to see that for him. It was good to see Desmond Jackson get out there. And Jaden Nixon had an awesome touchdown run. I mean, by that point, TCU's spirit was totally broken, but there's still three or four guys who got hands on him and bodies on him on a 62-yard touchdown run. Uh, that's pretty good stuff. So the, the backs last night from Oklahoma State were great. In the first half, whenever Oklahoma State needed the passing game to be there, it was. It was just a, an all-around, almost flawless performance. Also, we need to throw this out, Carson. You talk about a team that's just really well-coached right now. One penalty in last night's game, and it was a penalty they took on purpose. They absolutely bum-rushed the punter at the end of the first half. <laughs> Doesn't matter, untimed down, no big deal. Only penalty of the game. I mean, they, everything is working in harmony right now for Oklahoma State. They annihilated that guy. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. That punter, I'd have said, Coach, I ain't going out there kicking that ball. Because you knew. When Oklahoma State called the timeout, you knew, okay, 12 seconds left, fourth down from their own 25. Oklahoma State is going to go after this dude. And they did, and he got smoked. That's the one time we encourage them to rush the punter. Otherwise, yeah. back off. Don't rough them and, and give them an extra set of downs. <laughs> uh, you know who else really stood out to me, Colby? He wears number 28. And and he he almost looks like James Washington. He's kind of he's built the very same way. He's like six one, like two hundred pounds. Blaine Green is a dude. That touchdown he had, like that that TCU guy had no chance to cover him nor tackle him. And so they just have young receivers. The the green the Green Twins especially have really stepped up here the last couple games of the season. And I. I th- I I take turns on which green I I think's better. I don't I don't know at this point. They're both really good. Yeah, and you know Bryson had a, a monster catch that looks even bigger now that we see what this team is capable of. Earlier in the year, I believe it was against Tulsa, uh, where he was awarded the game-winning touchdown on the ball that hit the ground. So shout out to the replay officials on that one. Uh, and then Blaine last night gets his first touchdown catch, and it was that play was a byproduct of the Oklahoma State running game and the growth of Spencer Sanders. Everybody was biting up for TCU because they couldn't stop a nosebleed, so they had to get everybody in the box. Blaine Green breaks out on a third down. Spencer Sanders, he times it perfect on the play action. He absolutely threads the ball uh, just inside the reach of the linebacker's arm, hits Blaine Green in stride, never has to break a step, and goes to the end zone. That's just when you're running the ball that effectively, you can get those matchups, and then it's just on your quarterback to put it exactly where it needs to be, and that's what Spencer did. So I was glad to see that for Blaine Green. He deserved to get one in the end zone. Yep, he did. Um, Spencer, again, pretty flawless performance. I mean, again, he's, he's not putting up, you know, vintage Oklahoma State quarterback numbers, but I'm totally in agreement with you that he's really cut down on just the – the kind of mind-numbing, what was he thinking throws. He, he really has. And obviously the running game is going to help with that. But he's been really efficient. And I think he's playing easily the best football of his career because I thought he was pretty superb against, against TCU. Yeah, he was. I mean, you look at the stats, he only had the one touchdown, but he only had the one touchdown because every time Oklahoma State got in the red zone, all they had to do was hand it off two or three times, and they were getting in the end zone. 17 to 25, 235, uh, and he he did most of it in a half. They threw it a little bit in the third quarter still as they were expanding that lead, but he just – it's not even so much that he's cut down on the disaster plays. He's eliminated the disaster plays. There were four or five times last night where he's rolling out, and we're sitting up there in the stands, and we're like, chuck it, chuck it, throw it away. And he does. And old Spencer wouldn't have done that. Old Spencer would have tried to force something that wasn't there. New Spencer's not doing that. I don't know what has clicked for him between the years, but we're to the point right now where if he keeps playing like this, I mean, Oklahoma State's going to steamroll these next few games if he keeps playing like this. Now, that's not a given. That is absolutely not a given. Football's a weird game. Guys have bad days. He could have a bad day. But he's eliminated the disaster plays, and uh, it's it's – really made him incredibly fun to watch because now he's realizing all that talent that he has without having to put up with all of the negative stuff. Yep, and you know, he threw 68% completion percentage, and I didn't think he was just dinking and dunking it either. He was, he was taking shots down the field, and you know those, those, those intermediary routes uh, were, were right there for him. I mean, to me, that's the key for, for Sanders. Like, I'm not expecting him to throw for 300 yards. But I am expecting him, his, his percentage, his completion percentage to be closer to 70 than 50. When he gets down there near 50, that's when OSU is really in trouble. When he's, when he's having struggled to have chemistry with his receivers and, 
And Mike Gundy made that point again, and I, I think he's been proven right on that. Just the fact that they've been able to have some stability at receiver with guys getting healthy, you're seeing the difference. That, that's made a huge difference. Obviously, playing worse defenses has certainly helped too. But it's clear he's, he's got really good chemistry with his receiving core right now. I mean, Jaden Bray didn't have a catch, but he, he's played well lately. Um, really not a lot of guys had catches. He only completed 17 because, like, as, you, as we mentioned, they ran for over 400 yards. But I just think that we've been saying it, right? Like, we thought the offense would continue to play better based on the defenses they were facing. And the fact that these young players are emerging, you just – you look at ahead at the schedule and, you know, you got Texas Tech on the road, a night game in Lubbock. And they, they somehow beat Iowa State on a 62-yard field goal. Uh, that game's not going to be easy, but – with the way the defense is playing, and now that the offense has like legit playmakers that have, that have come through the ranks, I just uh, I have a hard time seeing Oklahoma State not making it to Jerry World. Yeah, same. I guess. By the way, somebody on Twitter said I've been calling it Jerry's World. I didn't even notice I was doing it. Jerry World is where Oklahoma State should be heading. I absolutely expect Oklahoma State to just race Texas Tech next week. It, it's weird. It's it's deja vu. What happened last week? TCU goes out. They pull off the big upset against Baylor. Everybody's like, I thought of you when I saw this. Yeah, I mean, it it, it came totally out of left field. Nobody expected it. And then uh, same thing with Texas Tech. They beat Iowa State. Nobody expected a huge emotional win without their their former head coach. Now they've got the new guy down there. And what happens? They're going to be on this emotional high all week. Oklahoma State's going to stay consistent. And Oklahoma State is going to go beat them to a pulp last week. Also, Carson, I had to update my list of college kickers I trust. As of 48 hours ago, that list was a blank sheet of paper. It now has one name on it, Carson. Jonathan Garibay, 62 yards, probably would have been good from 65. I could not believe that he made that field goal. Um, So shout out to Texas Tech. That's a, a huge win that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Nope, and I, I thought of you when they won that game because it's it's – it's happened week after week after week. Kansas coming off the game against Oklahoma on down the line. Uh, They're getting into some great spots, catching teams coming off big wins. And that certainly will continue with Texas tech. So, and I, I tweeted this Colby and I, I really, we're gonna have to wait and see where they rank on the, uh, the, the dreaded playoff show. But I mean, was what, what is there not to like, about Oklahoma State if you're on that committee. They play the best defense in the country. They're incredibly dominant on defense. Their offense is filled with playmakers. Spencer Sanders, Jalen Warren, that's a dynamic backfield. I just don't know what there's not to like. I guess they don't have a true marquee win at this point. Baylor is certainly a great win. That's, that's one of their marquee wins. Winning on the road at Boise State, I think they should get credit for as well, playing that game in the non-conference. But I know they're going to try and pick holes in their resume to this point, but if they're just talking about eye tests and statistics and metrics that they've been quoting every show, Oklahoma State should be close to the top four, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Those are your top three. And then behind that, it gets really murky. Obviously, OU's out now. Um, Oklahoma State should definitely be ahead of Notre Dame, Michigan, and Michigan State, and Cincinnati, for that matter. So uh, where where does where would that put them? Who, who did I leave out? Would that have me with Oklahoma State at four, five? 
I mean, they, they've got to be right in that Left out of Oregon, right? I forgot about Oregon. Oregon's the other one. They've got the best win in college football all year at Ohio State. So Oregon should be there at four. Oklahoma State should be there at five, hoping that one of those teams fall in front of them. But, Carson, we know that that's not what's going to happen. Michigan and Michigan State are going to be ahead. Notre Dame is going to be ahead. Oklahoma State's going to slot in just unfathomably at eight, uh, nine, behind Cincinnati and those three teams. It's just – Helmet logo plays a big factor. Preseason rankings play a big factor. Uh, conferences, conference bias plays a big factor. The Big Ten has this massive conference bias. Obviously, Oregon having the big road win at Ohio State uh, is not ideal because that gives them a leg up if they win out. I really think that this Oklahoma State team right now is the fifth best team in the country. Will they be ranked there on Tuesday night? Of course they won't. But all you can do is win your last three games, hope some things shake up in front of you, uh, and hope the committee gives you the respect they deserve. I do think style points are going to matter these last few weeks of the season. So 63-17 to 17 was really nice. Need to go out and beat Texas Tech by about 40 next week. Uh, and it wouldn't hurt you to stomp a mud hole in OU either. So if you want to get in the playoff, you're going to have to beat people down. So hopefully they can do that the next few weeks. Speaking of style points... Baylor kicking a late field goal on Oklahoma. Hey. They, they beat the Sooners, and Dave Aranda's not wrong. He said, look, the, the tiebreaker is point differential. So I, I think he's well within his rights to do that. Uh, Lincoln Riley took issue with it. But Baylor beats Oklahoma, Colby. And um, so, I, again, I, I've been saying this for weeks. This is not vintage Oklahoma. Their offensive line is used to having five NFL draft picks on it they don't have that anymore they, they cannot run the ball the way they have in years past when they've won all those big 12 championships their defense plays well at times but gives up a lot of big plays and they're just they're just and they're certainly not as good at quarterback as they've been in the past as well so it, it is shaping up to be a game in which colby and i never thought i would say this this year oklahoma state should absolutely be favored in bedlam uh, Oklahoma State should be favored, and Oklahoma State should win that game and should win it by double digits. Now, should has never really made an appearance at Bedlam. Should has made an appearance at Bedlam one time, 2011. That's when what should have happened happened in Oklahoma State's favor. Every other time that Oklahoma State goes out and should win that game, things go wrong. So it, it's it's easy to be skeptical. I, I probably will be a little skeptical. It's one of those things you, you kind of need to see it happen things just seem to go wrong in that game but I mean this just might be the year where Oklahoma State is a decent margin better than Oklahoma I mean Oklahoma's a nine and one football team sure they could be 10 and 0 if they'd played better on Saturday they could also be six and four if a couple of bounces don't go their way throughout the season they haven't figured out what they want to do at quarterback Caleb Williams was top three to five in Heisman voting going into last week boom he gets benched in the third quarter. I know he got his hand stepped on. He came back in the game after he got benched. So they're just trying to find a spark at quarterback. They can't run the ball as effectively as they used to. They got outrushed by Baylor by almost 220 yards. It's just that defense is soft as Sharman. Oklahoma State is absolutely a better football team. They're a better football team by a good margin. It's just another one of those things. Don't beat yourself in Bedlam. We've seen that before when Oklahoma State's had the better team in that game. They beat themselves. If they don't do that this year, I feel great about that game. And, uh, you know, there's a chance if OU loses next week to Iowa State, and OU could very realistically end this season on a three-game losing streak and find themselves not in Jerry World, and that 
would be best case scenario. You only have to play OU once. You beat them in Stillwater. You get what will probably be at that point maybe a higher-ranked Baylor team in the Big 12 title game that I think Oklahoma State matches up really well with. We could kind of start to see some dominoes for once start to fall in Oklahoma State's favor. That would be a welcome change. I mean, part of me says you'd want to play OU twice just for the resume, but you're right. I mean, Baylor will be higher ranked, and they they certainly match up better, I think, with Baylor because you're right. Like, you go back to that game in Stillwater, they absolutely controlled that game. It was it was a dominant performance. It's just they had three turnovers, and that, that, that swung the game to keep Baylor in it or else Jerry Bohannon did very little against this Oklahoma State defense. You'd much rather play against Bohannon than – than a Caleb Williams or a Spencer Rattler. There's, there's no question about that. So we'll have to see. They get Iowa State at 11 a.m. next Saturday. OSU on the road at Tech. Um, Colby, did you, did you happen to watch the uh, Kansas Jayhawks win as a 31-point underdog in Austin, Texas last night? I did not see one second of the Kansas Jayhawks' big win over, Iowa, or over uh, Texas last night. I was in Boone Pickens Stadium. They were announcing the score over the loudspeaker as it went. They probably announced that score five or six times uh, as everyone loves to make fun of Texas. And then we're following it on our phones. You know, you're updating it's 42-35 and then it's 49-35 and then they score and then they score and we're going to overtime. And when they went to overtime, I was like, okay, Texas got the momentum back, they're rolling. And then the two-point conversion to the walk-on who had not seen the field on offense for Kansas until last night. It was so, so beautiful. So perfect, so Texas, so all of that stuff. I just, I mean, was it 2017 they lost to Kansas? And, and this broke a 13-year, 2016, yeah. this broke a 13-year road-losing streak in the conference for Kansas, 2008, and they lose to this Texas team that some people earlier in the year were actually trying to convince us was a good football team. I picked them fifth in the conference, and I gave them way too much credit. So, uh, horns down, baby. It snapped an eight-game losing streak this season and a 56-game losing streak in Big 12 road games that went all the way back to 2008. It's the first time Texas has lost five straight games since 1956. They were a 31-point favorite. This is rock bottom for the Texas Longhorns. But you watch, Colby. Next August, oh, picking Texas number two in the Big 12, baby. Ranked top 20 in the country, baby. Sarkeesian, it's going to get it rolling. It's just, it's a broken record at this point. That program is broken. It's a broken program, and it's basically, it's who Texas is. They've lost four or more games for a decade. For a decade now. And you go back throughout their entire history, it's basically a great run from Daryl Royal and Mac Brown. The rest of it, they're an average football program. They're, they're three, four, five losses a year. That's what they are. That's what they are. And so that was just, oh, that was such a great moment. I was watching it live and just the, the two-point conversion. I thought the play was doomed from the start. I did not like the way they lined up. And the quarterback got flushed from the pocket immediately. Oh, great. This is over. And the walk-on fullback, who apparently did like two victory laps around the stadium with horns down, just milked it up for all it was worth. And he'll be, he'll be telling his grandkids about that game for sure. Yeah, he will. I saw the video earlier today of uh, his parents screaming in the stands whenever he caught it. It's just that stuff is so, so cool. And for him to get that moment in Austin in front of the hundreds of people that were there supporting their Texas Longhorns, it, it's like you said, Carson, it's a broken program. It really is. It's, if they weren't so arrogant, it would almost be sad. 
But because they're Texas and they walk around thinking they're better than everybody as they continually lose five, six games a year, it's just it's, – it's laughable. It's hilarious. They are the punchline of every joke in college football. I mean, I tweeted out last night, and I wasn't the only one. You know, Vanderbilt is welcoming Texas to the SEC with open arms. Open arms. Vanderbilt's like, come on, baby. Come to Tennessee. Let's line up 11 on 11 and get after it. Texas is a joke. And the sooner Texas starts realizing that they're not all they think they're cracked up to be, the sooner they can start maybe doing things right and stop letting boosters run their football program. And, I mean, just embarrassing stuff. You got players recording coaches on the bus. You got the assistant coaches, strippers, girlfriends, monkey. It's just the whole <laughs> thing down there. It's, it's like a bad soap opera. It's a great soap opera. The pole assassin was like True. the highlight of my week. That whole story was incredible. Oh, that's funny. Let's get to uh, bullets and BBs, Colby. Um, positives and negatives from uh, the weekend. What you got? Uh, bullet for me, the Oklahoma State offensive line and running backs. It's just, how is it not? It's Barry Sanders week. You want to you, you do the GOAT justice. And they did more than justice to the GOAT. Depending on which site you look at, stats went down last night, somewhere between 445 and 500 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, uh, four different guys scored rushing touchdowns, three different guys had multiple rushing touchdowns. It was an absolute dominant performance up front from Oklahoma State. Yep, that's a great one. I'm going to go with Mike Gundy. Again, I was totally wrong about this season. Uh, this, this, to me, is the best team they've had since – since 2011 that's that's what we're at now which is just astonishing thinking back to where they were after the first two games and I loved him going forward on fourth down down near the goal line I I tweeted you I guess you were having some service problems but I just tweeted Gundy's all grown up with the uh the famous line from swingers uh with Vince Vaughn and I just I just hope he takes that same approach in Bedlam don't if if he tries to go back to his old ways in that game and just trying to take the points, kick the field goal, just play it safe, he tends to do that even more so when his team has a real chance in that game. I just hope Mike continues to put the foot on the gas when he sees the OU logo across the field. I hope that happens because if it does, they should absolutely win that game. Like you mentioned, you said double digits. I'm not ready to go that far yet, but they certainly should win the game. I just hope Mike – takes the same approach against Oklahoma and doesn't take into account all the, all the demons that, we, that he's had in Bedlam over the years. Yeah, I agree. It's, he's been more aggressive lately. I think if you put a truth serum in him, he would tell you that he regrets kicking the field goals on fourth and short in Ames. I, I think he would tell you that. Now, we'll never get uh, the real answer to that, but I, I've been harping on it for a long time. You, you play aggressively and you instill a mindset in your offensive line, in your skill players that – we're not here to kick field goals. We're not here to try to win this game by three points. We are here to push somebody off the ball to be the more physical football team and to get across the goal line. And that's what they did on Saturday against TCU. I understand TCU has struggled tackling. They've struggled on that side of the ball. But so has Oklahoma. And so have a bunch of other teams in the Big 12. Line up. Let your guys go to work. Trust them. Trust your offense. Um, I, I loved what they did on Saturday night. I hope that it continues, and I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm giving Gundy the benefit of the doubt because I think aside from the Iowa State game, since the Iowa State game, he's made mostly the right calls in terms of when to kick and when to go for it. Yep, I agree. What about a BB? Uh, BB. BB's tough 
Um, I mean, it was 63 to 17. The GOAT got honored. I'm going to give a BB to the two of the marquee programs in the SEC, that being Oklahoma and Texas, who absolutely embarrassed themselves on Saturday. Oklahoma got embarrassed by Baylor. They got out physical and dominated in that game. They bounced back and forth playing quarterback musical chairs. Again, they were settling for field goals on fourth and short to fourth and medium that even Gabe Burkich was missing. It was a disaster from OU. And then their fans, instead of focusing on the fact that they were outrushed by Baylor by 220 yards, want to cry because Baylor kicked a field goal to win by a few more points for a tiebreaker that might be a very real scenario. Give me a break. So you embarrassed themselves, and then Texas, they were like, hold, hold my beer. I'll one-up you tonight on Saturday night. Uh, misery loves company, so OU and Texas both get to be miserable together this week as they try to figure out what went wrong on Saturday. Yeah, Fran Fraschilla, uh, I guess, said uh, that Texas is going to be the Nebraska of the SEC. That's, oh. that's got to sting. Oh. That's got to sting. And he's right. He's so right. It's just the, the program from yesteryear that thinks going to a new conference will do wonders for them. Uh, they're they're going to struggle in that conference because they can't even beat Kansas. So that, that was just that was just poetic, poetic justice. I'll go to Texas A and M. You know this everyone everyone wants to make Texas A and M into some great football program every year, kind of like Texas, and they lose to Ole Miss. They thought they had a chance to go to the SEC title game and. Look, I think Jimbo Fisher's a great coach. I, I said when they hired him, if he can't win there, no one's going to win big there because he's that good of a coach. He's done a great job, and they're 7-3. and three, But just the, the Aggies that I know were getting so fired up, acting like they were going to go win the SEC, go to the college football playoff, not so fast. They lose to Ole Miss by 10. They lose to Lane Kiffin. Uh, so that, I thought that was, that was pretty great, too. It was almost a perfect weekend, Colby. I mean – there's not much more I would have wanted to happen over the weekend, really. I mean, almost a perfect week. It might have been a perfect sports weekend. Barry's in town, the unveiling of the statue. You went 63-17 to 17 in front of a sold-out crowd. The blackout was awesome. The, the energy in that stadium was unbelievable. And very few people left before the end of the third quarter. Once third quarter ended, I mean, that game took three and a half, 345. So a bunch of people left after the third. But it was still very full at the end of the third quarter. Uh, you combine that with the fact that OU goes down to Baylor, with the fact that Kansas uh, beats Texas, the fact that Texas Tech beats Iowa State. All the dominoes fell just about right in the Big 12 for Oklahoma State. Uh, and then if you're an F1 nerd like me, Lewis Hamilton just had an absolutely legendary weekend in Brazil. So it's been a great sports weekend for me. My Dallas Cowboys are 36-3 at halftime. This is an unbelievable sports weekend and an unbelievable weekend. Yesterday was 10 years to the day since I started dating my now wife. So just a great, great weekend. Fantastic. Fantastic weekend. Before we get out of here, though, you mentioned Barry going up in the ring of honor. That was great. I mean, just – I said this earlier in the week. He is an anomaly that has never existed in the sport of football before or since, like what he was able to do on a football field. Mike Gundy said he would have ran for 4,000 yards in a spread offense, and I don't think he's crazy. I mean, he was just – he was a Martian playing football that we've never seen anyone like him. But my question to you is, so they got Thurman and Barry in there, uh, two, two unbelievable candidates to put in there first. Where would you go next? And I, I kind of I wish they would start putting in two or three at a time because they, they've got a lot to get to, which is all the great players that OSU's had over the years. But give me kind of your top three or four who you think should be kind of next in line. Oh, man, that is a hard question. My question is, 
do you wait until Gundy is done and retired to put him in? Um, I don't think necessarily. I mean, probably. I think Gundy would not allow that, honestly, just for all You're the distractions right. that would occur with that. He's got a game to coach. Um, so I'd probably say no. Okay, so assuming Gundy's not going in, then there's several names that have to be at or near the top of that list. Uh, you think 2011, Brandon Wheaton, Justin Blackman. At some point, those guys need to be in there. They need to go in together. They need to go in together. Um, Hartley needs to be in there. Yep. I'm trying to think of somebody on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there, there's some good ones on that side, too. Uh, I mean, Kevin Les, Williams. Leslie O'Neill. Leslie O'Neill, Kevin Williams. Um, who else? Who else on that side of the ball? Um, I mean, it's tough. Those, those guys, it's different. Offense, we can quantify every last little thing that those guys are doing. It's a little tougher on the defensive side. But Kevin Williams, Leslie O'Neill, uh, and I know I'm forgetting a bunch of them. Some, somebody tweet at us some of the names that we're forgetting. Hopefully – Ogba the, might be up there at some point. Ogba should be up there. He, man, he's been really good for the Dolphins. He was great Thursday night against the Ravens. Uh, that's probably another one. And then you probably let another – there's a bunch of guys that need to get in before, like Rudolph and Washington. Uh, I mean, Chuba led the nation in, in rushing one year. He might get in eventually. But I think I would start with probably Whedon, Blackman, Hartley, Dez, Leslie O'Neill, Kevin Williams. See where we go from there. Yeah, I like that. I think the olds would, would get after us and say Ernest Anderson and Terry Miller. Those yep. are two, two yep. that certainly are worthy as well. That's kind of what I was getting at, just like, Man, you've got a lot to get to. Just with that 2011 team alone, I think you could go Blackman, Whedon, uh, Markel Martin, I think would be deserving. Uh, there's there's several on that team. And just you go back to the 80s and 70s. I mean, I mean Bob Fenimore should obviously go up there too. You know, names like that from, from right. way back when. How about Russell Okung? Russell Okung's a great one. He, he certainly should be up there. So I love that they're doing this. It's great. I mean, it's, the stadium is built perfectly for a ring of honor. That's why they're doing it. It's great. Not everyone deserves a statue, obviously. That's, that's reserved for the GOAT. But certainly they can, they can start adding names up there in multiples, I would think. So that was just a, a real capper to a, an awesome weekend in Stillwater for sure. Yeah, it was, and Gundy had great comments uh, last night in the post game on with uh, Robert Allen from the dressing room talking about Barry. I, I loved it. He didn't hold back. He's like, you know, I just wish he would have gone somewhere other than Detroit, somewhere that would have blocked for him. He'd hold every record at that level too. He said everything that he got in Detroit, he got on his own, and I, I just I loved it because he's so right. He's so right. Barry would hold every record known to man if he had gone anywhere even remotely decent, and he goes to football hell, which is the Detroit Lions, and still is the greatest of all time with the Detroit Lions. So it was special to see Barry back. He's an anomaly in the history of football. Uh, I mean, there have been some great ones to do it. You, you think of Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, these guys on the college level, Adrian Peterson. There have been some unbelievable guys to do it, and none of them are Barry. He's in a class of his own. He didn't even play in the fourth quarter. And ran for 2,500 yards. Yeah. Like, imagine if he played a full game, what he would have done. Like, it's – he left a lot on the table. He rarely played in fourth quarters. Uh, it's just – it's unbelievable what he what he could have done if, if he had stayed in there the whole time, too. It's just – it's crazy. So Well, and it's – you know, it it's, would have been nice for him to play those fourth quarters. He was probably more well-rested than everybody because he would nap at halftime. So, <laughs> he's an interesting guy, Barry. Yep, he was a Barry, napper. Yes. Very interesting guy. Uh, so great stuff, Colby. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll get back with you uh, later in the week. Let's do it. Go, folks.